What's up, fellas? Welcome back to the pod. It's Cole. Joining me as usual, Joey and Aaron. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. I always love a, an opportunity to jump on a pod and just talk about what's going on around the league. I think, especially this season, it feels like there's just a massive headline every single week, whether that be Trent handing out another waiver to sign or for the losses, um, the amount of injuries throughout the league or the crazy matchups that we're seeing. So I think there's a lot to talk about today, and I'm really excited about the rest of this season. You know, I'm doing good as well. Uh, glad to still be in the playoff hunt this far into the year. Hasn't happened before. Yeah, good for you, Aaron. Here you're going to end up uh, beating me this week on the back of some poor performances from uh, core players on my end. So I give you a GG. At least you're not handing out waivers as well as Trent. So we're just going to be uh, spitballing this podcast, kind of going off whatever we feel like talking about. So some of the major headlines and some uh, crazy performances. Just going to gloss over everything. So we'll start first with uh, the division leaders here. So naturally, as we uh, mentioned, Trent's been handing out a lot of uh, a lot of waivers to sign here. So on top of the West, we got the high tide. What do you guys think about that roster here as we push forward into the uh, end of the first quarter of the year? I mean, for me, I think you're getting exactly what you expected out of this roster. You knew they were going to have amazing uh, talent through the wide receiving core, especially when it's built on the backs of Metcalf, Godwin, Adams, and then trading for Kirk and put up. He's going to be a boomer bust player, uh, as you've seen throughout the rest of the weeks. Um, again, Tom Brady is always going to be a solid uh, 20 to 25 points. You can expect from him. You're not going to get much on the ground game. But the way the Buccaneers offense has been looking this season, you can't expect anything less. Um, again, I pointed out every time we bring up Trent's team, whether this team succeeds or not is going to fall down onto the running backs. You, this week specifically, you saw some really nice uh, spot starts from Alex Collins, um, which really contributed to their win this week. Miles um, Gaskin is proving to be the shitter everybody thought he was. Um, and then Daryl Henderson is taking that lead back role and just prospering with it um, for this season. I don't see that changing. Getting into next season with Akers coming back, I think it's going to create a really interesting um, dilemma for the Rams and for the high tide. But again, that's a lot uh, pretty far down the road. I think that one thing about the high tide that I found interesting is just the amount of Buccaneers starting on his roster. And I think that's really been a flux. It's just fluctuating in the results he's seeing just because it's so dependent on the team. Um, I think one player specifically that kind of hasn't seen much of a benefit um, from just being on such a talented defense is Devin White. I feel like he came in at, at worst the number two linebacker of that class, and he just hasn't been able to put up the fantasy stardom that a lot of people really thought he would. Um, and again, that's just to the amount of talent around him, no uh, discredit to his talent. So I think if Trent can find a way to continue putting up those points on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be hard to hard to compete with him when you're rostering those receivers, plus Travis Kelsey. Trent's definitely uh, been off to a hot start this year. Uh, if you look at his points week by week, uh, he scored over 190 in, uh, I believe it's now going to be five out of the six weeks. He's gotten above that 180 threshold which uh we have considered the past couple years to be like the mark to consider yourself a favorite to win on a given week and he's regularly getting above that at this point so he's definitely one of the top teams here in the regular season 
he's pretty much always been a regular season powerhouse. It's just a matter of can he make it through in the playoff picture. You know, this season he seems to be on a bit of a warpath, but we'll just have to wait and see where this roster's at, you know, especially as we have bye weeks coming up, you know, with Daryl Henderson. In particular, I'm going to be curious to see what he's able to do at the running back position that given week. Uh, I think one other thing to note is that he has played a lot of the cupcakes so far. He's played the Hawks. He's played the Spiders. I believe he played the Wendigos. Say the Wildfire, dude. Go ahead. Played the Wildfire. I'll be a cupcake. Let's go. So the schedule might, and I don't know which team he doesn't face off the top of my head, but he certainly is going to have to play some combination of the Clams, the the Grovers, the Magicians, uh, and even some of the teams in the Central that are looking pretty good this year out of nowhere. So maybe this team just keeps on the warpath, or maybe it starts to taper off a little as the competition starts to heat up. Hey, Aaron, you want to take one guess as to which week the Clams and High Tide face off? Week 13. Week 11. You want to know which key player is on bye that week? Um, uh, say Darrell Henderson. Let's go. Darrell Henderson, bro. Nah, see, okay, Joe, you were talking about uh, you think it's going to be interesting what they're going to do next year with Hendo and uh, Cam Makers. Well, I'm looking at uh, Darrell Henderson's stats right now and imagine that multiplied by about 1.5, and that's going to be Cam Akers next season. Henderson ain't anything, dude. He's above average, but... You ride him for this year, Trent, but I'm coming for you next time I see you, bro. I don't appreciate you handing me that L, bro. I'm coming for you. This coming from the guy that took uh, Henderson over DK and AJ Brown in the rookie draft. Uh-huh. Yeah, it hurts. That's why I can't stand this man anymore, bro. I am I am out here rioting in the streets against Darrell Henderson, bro. We ain't a fan. Nah, he's uh, he's playing pretty solid this year, though. Trent's got a, a solid squad. Uh, Tom Brady continues to defy father time. And he's literally, uh, in my opinion, probably the MVP of the league right now. So good on you, Trent. But we'll see you here shortly, guaranteed. So pushing on to our uh, next team here in the central, the leader. It's going to be the Retrievers actually on top. But we got a three-way tie with the Duckies and the Sharks. So the Retrievers uh, obviously got a ton of picks, but they're still going hard in the standings. It looks like he's going to be 4-2 and two this week. Yep, 4-2. and two. So what do we think about the Retrievers? I think the Retrievers are just a really, like you said, an interesting team, especially with the dynamic of having so many picks and such a young core already. Um, I think it was interesting. I was messaging Hunter a little bit, trying to figure out what his game plan is, and it still looks like he's not super interested in going going in on this season, which, granted, when your core is such or is so much of young players consistency really just isn't an option in most cases and i think consistency from what we've seen from past champions has been a core for them and so i think that's i'm giving a lot of credit here to hunter i think he's been a great owner since he's come in the league just identifying what he needs to do with the roster he had and using the picks that he had available and i think it's no different here realizing that he would have to give up a large portion of those picks to get the consistency to be a championship contender this season so while I think that he doesn't have a chance this season, he's also handing out L's just as well. Um, and with all the picks he has, giving everybody else an L and making their picks that much worse is just a perfect scenario for him. Plus, looking at the wide receivers on this team, they're getting funneled a lot of targets, man. Jalen Waddle, 
He's gone over 10 catches two games this year and somehow stayed under 70 yards for both those games, but getting a ton of targets, Pittman getting a ton of targets. Henry Ruggs is actually showing out this year. A lot of people labeled him a bust after last season, but man, he's looking pretty solid. It's just, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of good young pieces here. Uh, good defensive pieces as well. Uh, Darrell Henderson, or Darrell Taylor, sorry, not Henderson. Taylor uh, of the Seahawks, he's been actually quietly one of the better defensive linemen in the league fantasy-wise up until his injury last night. So hopefully that's not a long-term problem for him. But lots of talent here. I, I like the squad and going to be 4-2 and two after this week. So good on you, man. You got the rebuild going, but you're also getting dubs. So once you get all these first-round picks you've accumulated going, it's going to be a fire squad. Yeah, the the only thing to, I guess, talk down on the retrievers is uh, is those draft picks themselves. I actually just took a look at those, and he does have six of them, but unfortunately, four of them are looking like pretty likely playoff teams in the, the Grovers, the Clams, Wildfire, and Paladins. And at the rate that he's playing, he might be playing himself into a, a playoff berth as the division winner. So... Unless something changes, he he might be hurting. You know, he'll have a lot of picks, but he might not necessarily have access to the, you know, the cream of the crop guys in this upcoming class. He he does have the Hawks pick, which, due to all the injuries that they're sustaining, should be pretty high. But right now, I would kind of have a little bit of caution there. Um, I also just looking at his his quarterbacks, and this is kind of. Just a quick little tangent, but uh, Trevor Lawrence has looked absolutely terrible so far. I mean, all the rookie quarterbacks have, in my opinion, but but I definitely thought that Lawrence was kind of a, you know, he would be system-proof. You know, he would be fine even if the Jaguars were terrible, but so far, he just, he's thrown several boneheaded interceptions. He's getting pressured nonstop. I mean, yeah, the receiving core is not great, but I, I definitely think that we should be seeing better out of him in particular, as I'm sure Hunter is as well. Yeah, and another player on the Retrievers roster that I've identified as someone I've been really disappointed by just compared to what I expected from them from a fantasy output is Jonu Smith. I know he's not a high-caliber name, but if he was the number one, like he was the tight end that the Patriots targeted. They gave him more money. He was the first one signed. This was the guy that they wanted to feature in their offense, and it just has not come to fruition at all. It seems to be a very um, bloated contract for someone who's not able to deliver and is being kind of used in a in a decoy type of role for Hunter Henry, what it seems like, at least from fantasy production at that position. I, I feel like if you go across the top teams in the league, there are very few who have uh, below average tight ends. I, that's definitely a trend that we've identified. And if Hunter is looking to turn it around, there's definitely going to be need to be somewhere he needs to target in the draft. Don't worry, long term. This man's got Pat Fryermuth. He's good long term, bro. Tight end one, Pat Fryermuth incoming. So, like we mentioned, three way tie in the Central Division. So, Duckies, Sharks, Retrievers. Duckies have uh, been off to a pretty solid start, I would say. Uh, looks like he's probably going to take the L this week, but. Still, that running back core uh, is really showing out, of course. Uh, Saquon getting hurt doesn't help, but Derrick Henry and uh, Alvin Kamara producing on the high end, just like we expected. Latavius Murray putting up all right points. Receiving core still needs some help here, but the Duckies are looking like they're going to be a solid contender, but losing Russell Wilson does kind of hurt. So the uh, Central's really, really open at this point. Michael Thomas could be a huge boon for him as well. Yeah, in, in the central, like if I had to put this division into power rankings, which is, f- feels absolutely terrible for me to say, 
But until the Duckies find some help on the defensive end, especially their defensive line, as well as the wide receiving core, which you alluded to, I don't know if I can put them above the Sharks. I mean, I think the Retrievers, just from the way they've been playing and their core, have to be seated as number one. So it's really just a battle left between the Sharks and Duckies. Like Aaron said, the injuries to the Hawks. And that feels absolutely terrible to say, considering the running back core the Duckies have. And this is another team where I just went and looked at his schedule, and he's already had those games against the Spiders and the Wendigos, and those are two of his three wins, with the other being against the Hawks. So he hasn't beaten a team that's competing this year. He he narrowly lost to the Retrievers in Week 1. So this team hasn't beaten any team that's relevant this year, and so it just kind of begs the question of, can he do it against the teams that matter? You know, especially with Saquon being out, I would imagine, for at least another game or two with that uh, that gigantic ankle, uh, especially with bye weeks coming up at his receiving core. You know, he needs Michael Thomas to come back immediately and produce like a wide receiver one. Otherwise, I think this team's in real trouble. I really like, this is transitioning to a separate team here, but I really like what Jabir's done with his roster, I will say. I'm a fan of how this team has transformed over the last year, man. The, uh, the trades he's gotten for some of these studs like Calvin Ridley, like A.J. Brown, and then having some of these running back uh, handcuffs that he's got on his bench show up and actually perform for him here because of injuries. It's actually looking like I think the Sharks are going to be the uh, top playoff contender in this division. And I think uh, you guys had alluded to that as well. But he's got a lot of pieces, man. And he's got the Defensive Player of the Year in Trayvon Diggs at this point. Of course, you mentioned it in the chat the other day. The man's been kind of goaded so far this season. So he's got a lot of good players on the IR too. So sides putting up for the Sharks, man. I think Sharks are going to be the playoff team in this division. They're going to be the one to beat. You know, this has nothing to do with uh, fantasy per se, but I just need to say that uh, Trayvon Diggs is the Jameis Winston of cornerbacks. This man has... He's intercepting the ball every game, but he's also given up the most coverage yards of any cornerback in the league. So the media is hyping him up like a a savant, but really he's uh, just a guy who's an elite ball hawk. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Marcus Peters. Because he will give up yards, but he's got a penchant for intercepting the ball and getting turnovers. So he's kind of like a, a Marcus Peters type, not a Jalen Ramsey type, but definitely a good player. So that's what we look for in fantasy. Like It looks like, honestly, at this rate, he might be uh, going over 120 points in fantasy, 150 points. That would be absolutely insane for a cornerback, but an every week starter nonetheless. And then moving on to the East here, as we finish up with the talking about the divisions, uh, we got the Clams and the Grovers tied at 4-1. and one. We'll see uh, pending the ending of this week's games. Let me see. Oh, they're facing each other, and it looks like it's really tight. Yeah, Joey's going to win. It's so, going to come down Joey to Dylan and I have been texting all week, and it really is going to come down to whether uh, Julio reaggravates that hamstring injury or if they try to force the ball to A.J. Brown, who is in the game tonight. It's it's definitely in my favor of uh, just being within four points, it looks like. But as my team has seen throughout the entirety of the season, anything bad that can happen probably will. Um, mm-hmm. So we will... I'll keep my fingers crossed, but I'm also going to have to keep my hands on the keyboard as well, trying to figure out a deal to get another running back going into next week. We got to know, man, what did you do to incur the wrath of the fantasy gods like you have? The running back injuries here are just astounding. It just continues to get worse every single week. Like When you think it can't get any worse, someone else goes down with some type of injury. 
at least for your sake, Kareem Hunt is uh, just going to be a three or four week stint, hopefully on IR, not a season ender. So that's a positive at least. I'm telling you, man, it's it's the whole time we've been in this league, you, we've just seen whether it's players I trade away or whether they're on my roster, and you just have seen a ton of major injuries with anyone that I have as an asset. And that's part of the reason why I really didn't feel super comfortable kind of going all in for this season and next season. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're afraid to push for a championship because of the chance of injuries, you're not playing the game right. And so I'm, if this is my fortune, so be it. But I'm still going to try to go for that chip regardless. I mean, you've still got the talent there, and it's not as if any of them are out for you know, the season or even a huge portion of it. Uh, thankfully, I think one of the players we have to talk about from your team uh, has to be Mike Williams, who I don't know if there's any other player that can say that uh, they came out of nowhere. I mean, I guess there's one on Dylan's team that we can touch on, but but Mike Williams has effectively, you know, just been that like low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three in terms of fantasy value pretty much his entire career, and it was always a matter of will this be the year he finally learns how to play the receiver position and this year he's just been an absolute stud he's scored over 18 points in four out of his six games scored nearly 30 in two of them that that is elite production from a guy that nobody saw it coming from so I think that that in particular has bailed you out in a big way um because the receiver was a position that I didn't feel great about your team on coming into the year but especially with Julio Jones coming back uh, he should be totally fine uh, I definitely don't think there's much to worry about on this roster. Yeah, shout out to that coaching staff for playing Mike Williams in the position to succeed. It's like that Chargers coaching staff for the last few years was just misusing him because he's clearly got the talent popping off this year. But we are all witnessing the potential Justin Herbert MVP campaign. But last week was, uh, or I shouldn't say last week, but this weekend was kind of a, a roadblock, obviously. Didn't expect them to get just absolutely smoked by the Ravens like they did. But yeah, Dylan's got some pretty solid wideout boons coming out this year too. Marquise Brown, if that's who you were alluding to. Cooper Cup just absolutely going nuclear so far this year. They're putting up crazy numbers. I don't think anybody was expecting Marquise Brown. Well, it's not who I was alluding to, though. Marquise Brown has been far better than I would have ever imagined this year. Oh, I see uh, who you're Unfortunately about. for Dylan, he's designated as a wide receiver. <laughs> but but I, I do think that just because absolutely nobody expected anything from him, uh, Cordero Patterson has to be um, the, goat, the fantasy bro. MVP in that sense of exceeding expectations. I mean, he's had several big games. He's regularly involved in that offense. He's scoring double-digit points a week. That's a quality flex player for Dylan. And really, it would just be so much better for him if he could play him at the running back position as a, a third piece to go along with Eckler and Elliott. Unfortunately for him, though, he's got Mike Davis there, who's been very middling. And the other player I want to note from this team is uh, the disappearing act of Darren Waller. I don't know if you guys have any ideas as to what's going on with uh, that player, but this is not the the tight end one that has been around for the past several seasons. You know, I know that he's been he's been fine. I'm sure if we look at the total season rankings, he's probably in the top six or seven. But I feel like that's almost entirely due to that week one where he got. 17 targets or however many it was just 19 he just has not been that top end tight end that joey was mentioning earlier uh and honestly i feel like hunter henry's a more reliable play at this point week over week 
which is not the position that I'm sure Dylan wanted to be in at this point in the year. But it's still a very good team. It's a very tough, tight race there at the top of the division uh, with, with one unfortunate circumstance occurring at the bottom of that division. Yeah, man, you really uh, you hate to see it, dude. The downfall of the champ, Devin, is going to be... At least he's getting his first win this week, but dude's starting off 1-5, and, and that's due to a ton of bad luck and injuries here so far. I mean, Dalvin Cook's been uh, in and out consistently this year to start, and Stephon Diggs has been, let's just say, not as good as he has been in the past fantasy-wise, even though he's still getting the targets. I think that'll uh, correct itself in due time, but He's had a, a weird season so far, man. Thankfully for Devin, uh, we did. Obviously, there was a lot of contention this offseason about whether or not to keep the, the two games per week or go back to just the head-to-head. And I'm sure this is Jason's just, it's making his blood boil, just the, the thought of this concept, that a team that's uh, fifth in scoring through five weeks, and he'll probably be fifth or sixth after this week, uh, is going to be one in five. And that just shows the the randomness and the luck that comes with head to head exclusively. Uh, thankfully for Devin, he does still have a chance to make the playoffs this year, as I did add that seventh playoff spot for just the the total points scored for all non playoff teams. So he still has that opportunity, but man, he absolutely should be at a higher record than he is right now. He was regularly having 200 points a game dropped on him, and it's just really unfortunate that the defending champions you know coming in so low here i know that he was briefly contemplating a uh, mini retooling but it seems like he's kind of changed his mind on that although i do believe he moved uh one of the williams players i can't remember which running back in particular but this is still a very good team uh no concerns in my mind no i can definitely agree with you on that aaron i think this team after their championship run really didn't retool too much, but at the end of the day, they really didn't have to. And they've had a lot of players this season who are starting to add and contribute even more, specifically Antonio Brown. I think Antonio Brown as well has been one of the really nice surprises this season. Um, everyone kind of just thought of him as a, another factor when you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, even Gronk on that offense. Antonio Brown's kind of just an afterthought. But this season, I, I don't care what order he has their place in the pecking order he's just putting up numbers he's got fancy numbers and helping Devin put up those points which as you alluded to is just going to be vital for him making the playoffs at this point coming back from an 0-5 start um, to win a division probably just isn't in the cards for any team if that is it's going to have to be a miracle run but having that chance at points is just absolutely vital if there's one player on his roster I would really like to see kind of right the ship um and I expected a lot more this season from what is uh, Antonio Gibson. I think J.D. McKissick, who we can allude to when we kind of hit on the Hawks a little bit as well, but J.D. McKissick has taken so much work from Antonio Gibson that we are expecting him to have. There was hype over the offseason with having him kind of fill into a Christian McCaffrey workhorse role. And again, this was probably just hype driven by beat reporters, but if you look at the numbers he's getting, it's 100% because he's not getting the work in the passing game. He's getting the 20 carries per game, which is what you want to see from Bell Cows in that 20 to 25 carries at least. He hasn't had a single game above three receptions, and that's just not what we are anticipating. It's that shin injury. 
He's had that nagging shin injury. It's probably going to plague him for the entire season at this point. So he's going to be on and off of uh, being hurt the entire year. So McKissick's still going to be almost flex viable for the rest of the season, which is unfortunate. So it's almost looking like Gibson's uh, big workload year might be next year. But as long as he can put up that low-end RB1 type production for uh, Devin, then he should be fine. What do you think the chances of Devin making the playoffs are, though, starting off at 1-5? and Give me a percentage. I mean, honestly, I think I would still put him at um, at least 50%. I mean, if we look at those total points of the teams that are currently going to be in the playoffs, which would be, I mean, he's 15 points ahead of the Duckies and 20 points ahead of the Sharks. That's really his main competition in that regard. Um, At least one of those teams should be in line to compete for a wild card spot as well. So I definitely think Devin has a good chance because really at this point, the Sharks, the Spiders, the Hawks, and the Wendigos aren't going to be making the playoffs. So really there's three teams competing for that Devin spot. I feel like Devin should have a really good chance. Yeah, if I had to give a percentage, I, I agree with Aaron that the Ducky Sharks and Magicians are really the three viable options for that seventh seed. Um, Percentage-wise for all three, I'm going to give the Magicians 45. I would say the Duckies... Man, this is tough. I'd probably say the Duckies 30 and the Sharks with the last 25 just because I think the Duckies still have the star firepower to come back, even though I like the overall lineup from the Sharks, but I think Devin should be pretty comfortable where he is. All right, so moving forward here, who do you guys think is going to be the fantasy MVP by the end of the year? I mean, based on the show that I gave last season, I kind of gave my definition of a fantasy MVP as somebody who brings a vast difference-making option, uh, whether that be mostly you're going to see that at like the tight end position, um, possibly the running back position. Um, for Especially in single quarterback leagues, you're just going to have your five, maybe six elite options at the top um, with wide receivers we've seen year after year where a lot of the point differential just really isn't there. And in a season with so many running back injuries um, from top to bottom in terms of skill and whatnot, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean the running back position, and I'm only gonna do this because I think he's gonna get so much volume both in the passing game and the rushing game moving forward. I'm gonna go with Najee Harris. I, I think a lot of people were sleeping on Big Ben coming into this season. Um, just from what he's shown, he still has arm talent. Like especially watching that game yesterday, he was able to drop balls in 40 yards plus, and it looked absolutely just fine, um, which is really weird. Uh, You would think Claypool would take full advantage of that, but hasn't. Um, I digress. But I think Najee being used in specific packages to get him out in the slot and running routes is something you only see for elite catching backs. And when they have that versatile two options, like we've seen from McCaffrey in recent years, you can't argue that value. And so I'm going to go with Najee Harris as my fantasy MVP prediction. I'm going to stick with the same position, but I'm kind of going with the chalk here, I think, and that's got to be Derrick Henry in my mind. Uh, I think I saw that he's he hasn't even played this week, and he's still 180 yards ahead of the number two rusher right now, which is Nick Chubb, who also missed the game. But 
he's getting the ball at such a ridiculous rate. And obviously that warrants the potential risk of an injury, but he's done this for several years now. And so I think it's a lot less likely in his situation. He's just an exception to every rule that exists. I don't see any reason why it would change. They don't have a capable backup on the roster. So I definitely would have to go with Derrick Henry, which I think would probably be the safe play. I'm going to divert a little bit from what you guys have done here. I'm going to go with a player that is very near and dear to my heart. LSU's finest playoff Lenny Fournette will be the fantasy MVP. Might not be number one RB, but this guy's getting so many touches this year. Look at his opportunities. Last few weeks, he's had hovering around 20 to 30 touches per game, depending on week. Buccaneers have clearly shown they don't trust Ronald Jones. He might even be on the trade block at this point. Some of these RB needy teams might be calling him up. He's not a bad player in his own right, but he can't hold on to the ball. Sometimes Bruce Arians doesn't like that, so you could see him getting traded away. But Leonard Fournette, man, he's getting a lot of touches. And in an offense that's as high octane and high scoring as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we could see Leonard Fournette finish with double-digit touchdowns. I know he's got only about three right now, but still got plenty of game time left. Got 10 games. And I could see him easily finishing as a top five running back by the end of the season with all the opportunities he's getting in the that. Buccaneers. That's what I'm saying, dude. I tried trading for him, but he's probably unattainable at this point given the volume. So he's a high end running back, dude. And we love some Leonard Fournette. And then let's segue into our final segment here. Give me a prediction for the championship game and who you think is going to win six games into the season. Joey, go. I mean, looking at the contenders we've seen right now, I think the one that I don't want to include in this would be the high tide. And so for me, that leaves the Clams, Grovers, Allens, and Wildfire. And just based on the Grovers not seeing a lot of consistent performers that they've uh, seen in teams of the past, and Clams having such bad injury luck, I'm going to go with the Wildfire and the Paladins, and I'm going to give the edge to the Wildfire. Um, I just think that the Wildfire have more consistent running backs, whereas I think the Paladins have some really nice options but are just lacking the consistent level. But I definitely think that you guys are both in really prime positions to really push for this title this season. So I'm quite confident in that with the Clams and Grovers being a close uh, third and fourth behind. Well, I'm glad. Did you pick me last year? I'm sorry for interrupting you. Did you pick me last year? Listen, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. One of y'all picked me last year and it cursed me. It might have been you, Aaron, actually. Pretty sure it was me. I'm glad that you did not pick me, Joey, as you've hyped my team up the past two years and it's blown up in my face both times. Uh, I think the Wildfire are the very safe pick to be in the championship. And really, just based on the roster, I'm still going to give the Clams the, the second spot. I think that those are probably the two best rosters. Obviously, injuries could play a big role in that, but I think you've got plenty of time to get those running backs healthy. And as to who's going to win, if we're talking about cursing, I'll go ahead and uh, piggyback on to the, uh, the wildfire. You know, as a hater, man. <laughs> any, any of the teams at the top can win, in my opinion. I think we'll all be happy if uh, it's anyone but the high tide. I think we're all in agreement on that sense. But... He's the villain, dude. He's handing out else to everybody. He is uh, bringing it upon himself. But he can just wait till week 11, my guy. Wait till week 11. <laughs> Mark your calendars, everybody. Uh, 
But even Devin, I still feel like could have all he has to do is make the playoffs, and then you just have to go three and zero. So I I think that it's a very very much wide open contest right now. I feel like it's a lot more parity this year than in seasons one and two, and I'm just looking forward to what happens. I agree, and I think you hit on a really big point, kind of just to wrap up uh, my contributions. I think that the change of adding the number one seed, getting a bye this year, is going to be absolutely huge for whoever of these top contenders is able to squeak that out. The difference between winning two weeks and three weeks, while it sounds minuscule at face value, we've seen from week to week the craziness that can happen, and that's just part of fantasy football. So not having to worry about one of those matchups against this variety of contenders who, like you said, can win any week is invaluable. So I think it's going to be a race to number one and a super important one at that. I'm going to go off the grid here with my pick for champion. And uh, this will definitely improve trade relations, but I'm going to go with Jabir. I'm going to go with a Sharks championship game. You're disgusting. I think he's going to beat the Clams in the title game. He's absolutely doing that to pander. Look, Jabir, no disrespect to the roster. But, but no, I, no, no, no. I mean, you're you're right. He's He's got a lot of talent, but right now Montgomery's hurt. He's not getting points in that sense. I, I He needs Burrow to, to keep playing at this high level that he's been on. I, I don't hate the pick, but I, I feel like it's almost just going against the green for the sense of going against the green. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just sleeping on the clay bombers. Here, let me explain oh, oh. it for you. So, look. You know who the uh, the best wide receiver in the, the AFC North has been this season? It's Joey B's number one target, Jamar Chase. Thanks for the trade, by the way, Jabir. I appreciate that, Jamar Chase, for uh, Calvin Ridley. That's very nice of you. Calvin Ridley's going to get back on the track here at some point. Man, he's getting too many opportunities to not succeed. Joe Burrow's playing like an animal. He does need a little bit of luck, though, with uh, Chuba Hubbard potentially uh, continuing his role as the number one there if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again. So they need a few things to happen here. But A.J. Brown is going to eventually round back into form. Chase Claypool should start putting up more. Russell Wilson's going to come back. Tyler Lockett's going to start popping off at some point. Tyler Higby's getting a ton of, uh, ton of work there in Los Angeles, ton of looks. Who knows what the heck's going on with Robert Tanya. Maybe he can show up later in the year. But there's just a lot of offensive firepower that there wasn't in previous seasons with this team. So like I said, I'm going to go with the non-mainstream pick here. And I'm going to say the Sharks are going to squeak one out. Out of the blue, no one expected it. Let's go. Next thing you know, we're going to see a post from Cole in the group me to sign a petition to have him voted for mayor in his hometown playing these political games, SMH. Whoa! Man, I'm not allowed to pick Jabir. Do you hear this, Jabir? They don't even like it when I pick you, dude. Can you imagine? Listen, I think this year, with all the close games and the storylines throughout the year, I, I think has really brought to fruition what true uh, rivalries are across the league. And one thing that I've been very happy about is just the relationship between the Clams and the Sharks um, as the, um, the Aqua representatives in this team. Uh, <laughs> or in this league, I think it's uh, really important we stick together. And so as much as I'm, I'm loving Jabir and the Clay Bombers this year, I still just can't get behind it. You're just scared he's going to Clay Bomb you. <laughs> now, look, let's be honest. Wildfire, GOAT, win the league, easy. Okay, anything else you guys want to say before we get out of here? Um, all I'll just say real quick to top it off is as long as the high tide don't win, we're all winners. So let's cheer for that. No, I'm good. Just. Uh... Hoping the uh, the level of competition keeps up, and maybe the uh, the spiders and the Wendigos can 
start trying. Oh my goodness, dude! The <laughs> subtweet, the subtweet. Nah, it's been a it's been a fun ride as usual, and we will see you guys out there. And good luck to you. And Javier's gonna win the championship. Okay, bye. See you. Peace.